are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Friday, everybody. Today, we're going to take a look at the Timberwolves last playoff win that occurred over the span of 14 years until, of course, the Timberwolves did win Game 3 against the Houston Rockets in the first round of 2018, which stands as their only playoff win over the last, now I guess, 16 years. I mentioned earlier this week that we'd end this series of a look back at the 03-04 Wolves with a loss. I was actually wrong. The game that I had on my DVR was Game 5 from the Western Conference Finals in 2004, not Game Six. So I and all of you, along with me, get to end this trip down memory lane on a positive note. Um, if you haven't been with us over the last few episodes, we've been taking a dive back along with the rest of the Locked On NBA Network at taking a look at the best team in Timberwolves franchise history. Of course, all the other podcasts are exploring the best team in each of their respective franchises history. Uh, for the Timberwolves, there's no question about it. It's the 0304 team that won 58 games, was the number one seed in the Western Conference, and went to the conference finals before ultimately losing four games to two to the Lakers. The other day, we talked about the best game in Timberwolves history, Game 7 of Wolves-Kings in the Western Semis in 2004. Today, we are going to dive into Game, excuse me, game 5 of the Western Conference Finals, exploring the game from start to finish, we're going to talk about overarching observations. Again, some things that are very different about basketball now versus 2004. Um, and then also just generally about both teams in the matchup. Ultimately, we'll pick some studs and does as we do for every single Timberwolves game. And as we did for Wolves-Kings game seven on our last episode. First, before we get into it, a quick reminder to please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LockdownTWolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right, some brief stage setting for Wolves-Lakers Game 5. The Lakers were up three games to two in the series. They had won Game 1 in Minnesota. Remember, the Wolves were the top seed. The Lakers were the second seed. So, of course, the Timberwolves had home court advantage. The Wolves did win Game 2 by the biggest margin of any of the games in the series. They won by 18 at home. They did then drop two in a row in L.A. that were... Fairly close games, um, but ultimately multiple possession wins by the Lakers. And uh, the Wolves were down three games to one, headed back to Minnesota. They had to win game five. It was a it was a win or go home. Um, of course, if they won the game, they would actually physically have to go back to L.A. for a game six, which is what happened. And uh, had they won game six, they would have hosted game seven, of course, in Minneapolis. But winning three games in a row against anybody, much less in the conference finals against a team with Shaq and Kobe, um, basically in their primes is, uh, or at least in Kobe's prime, is really difficult to do. Um, this game, uh, the the Timberwolves at this point didn't have Sam Cassell available. Um, he actually did not dress. He's on the bench in a fantastic, um, gigantic, like a like some sort of a pink dress shirt on the bench um, in this game, but did not play. And uh, the Timberwolves also shuffled their starting lineup, took our Irvin Johnson out of the starting lineup, put Michael Olakandy in. In the Wolves-Kings Game 7 conversation, um, Olakandy didn't even play in Game 7. Um, and we noted that the other day when we talked about that game. And Irvin Johnson was the starter, saw some pretty heavy minutes. Irvin Johnson played five minutes off the bench in this one. Didn't re- He had, what, one rebound, committed two fouls in five minutes. That was it. Um, Michael Olakandy played 18 minutes. The Wolves actually played some pretty unique lineups compared to what they typically would do in this game. Ultimately, it worked out for them. 
Um, but Oliver Miller, Oliver Miller and Gary Trent didn't play, which wasn't that unusual. I don't think either of them played, or I guess Gary Trent played in the game seven against the Kings, but against a team with Shaq, the Wolves had been deploying the hack-a-shack method throughout the series, primarily had been working. Um, Shaq had a couple of games where he shot under 50% on free throws overall for the series. Um, it, it wasn't a strategy that really worked. We talked about the series in its entirety I think two episodes ago, so it would have been Monday of this week. If you want to go back and listen to the overarching look at this series, I don't want to get too in-depth on the strategies throughout, but uh, basically the Wolves have been throwing everything at O'Neal and making him go to the free throw line. They did that again in this one to an extent. He ended up shooting 11 free throws, made just five of them, but Jack also only attempted 11 field goals from, from the field. We'll get into this, but I think that's a mistake tactically on the, air, on the uh, Lakers' part. Uh, that they did not get him more involved against the likes of Michael Wakandi. And also, Garnett was, well, he ran the point guard for a lot in this game, uh, for a lot of the game. He also kind of played center. Um, I mean, Mark Madsen played 18 minutes, Michael Wakandi played 18 minutes, and Irvin Johnson played five. So um, there was always another guy on the floor who was a more of a prototypical big man. But remember, Mark Madsen was like 6'8 at, at best. And uh, while he technically guarded Shaq, um, Garnett was down there mixing it up a lot, not necessarily guarding Shaq, but offensively, he was basically the only threat in the paint when Ola Candy wasn't on the floor. And so he was running the point and then getting down into the post in a lot of cases and remarkable that he had as good of a game as he did. Um, all things considered, we'll get into that as we look at the, as the, at the game in its totality. So, um, I digress a little bit, but wanted to make sure to set the stage that these lineups, at least for the Timberwolves look pretty different. The Timberwolves starting lineup was Derek Martin, the journeyman um, point guard who played for Flip Saunders in the CBA and had been on a couple 10-day contracts early in the season, did not play in Game 7 of the Kings-Wolves series and uh, was the starter here. Saw a couple of short stints at the start of the game and then in the second or the third quarter, excuse me, Doug Collins, um, of course, who was a color commentator in the Kings series, joined this time by Mike Fratello, noted that the Wolves would need Derek Martin later in the game and Saunders was going to pull him and have a conversation with him. Not the case. He didn't see the floor again. He saw his two basically six-minute starts at the start of the first and third quarter, and that was it. He actually didn't play terribly when he was on the court, although he uh, he did shoot one of six. But uh, they also started Michael Candy at center, Trent Hassel with Charles Spiro on the wings, Kevin Garnett, of course, also in the starting lineup for the Lakers. They had Devin George and Kobe Bryant in, excuse me, Gary Payton and Kobe Bryant in the backcourt. Devin George on the wing, Carl Malone and Shaq in the paint. And those are your lineups. So the Wolves actually got out to a really slow start in this one. Um, ultimately, they lost the first quarter by a 21 to 14 margin. Um, Devin George scored four straight points. They ran back-to-back plays for him to get mid-range jumpers um, very early in the game, and he knocked down both shots. The only points he scored all game. Um, Carl Malone got into some quick foul trouble. The Lakers were up 13-6 to at the seven-minute mark. Um, Garnett was being a little too unselfish early in this game, and uh, the Timberwolves had scored only 10 points at the 3.30 mark. And then at uh, two and a half minutes left in the quarter, it was 20-10. to um, One note that I wrote down on the side, just an overall observation, There were a lot of uncalled travels in the NBA in 2004. And I remember at the time I was in high school and I remember hearing um, like a a friend of mine, like his dad talking about how NBA players traveled a lot. And I remember thinking, no, it's not really that obvious. But now looking back on it after watching, I don't know, 15 years more basket worth of more basketball and I guess progressively more as I got older, there were a lot of uncalled travels. Uh, A lot of times it's the shuffling the feet on the perimeter or splitting splitting the feet as you're moving to to drive. Latrell Sprewell had a few. Um, I remembered seeing, I think it was Doug Christie had a couple for the Kings, but crazy. I mean, in this game, certainly Sprewell had a couple early in the game 
And uh, nowadays, they've been calling those travels a lot more. I know there was that kind of blip on the radar a couple of years ago where it was a point of emphasis, and it got called, it felt like every other time down the court. Um, and now it's pretty much just Gorgie Jeng that gets called for it. But um, no, seriously, they do call it a lot more now than they, than they used to. Um, so that was the first quarter. Second quarter, awful perimeter shooting by the Timberwolves. Um, Fred Hoiberg, Wally Zerbiak, all those guys were just clanking jumpers, long twos and threes alike. The Wolves had shot something like nine threes midway through the third. Doug Collins was appalled at how many threes the Wolves had shot, which at the time it made some sense because the Wolves were not a three-point shooting team. Although if Zerbiak and Hoiberg are the ones taking your threes, you let them take those threes every day of the week. Those guys are effectively, I mean, they were certainly above average league, um, league average three-point shooters. Spreewell wasn't. He was very average and was much better at slashing and scoring in the paint, scoring in transition. Um, and he did do that in the second quarter, keeping the Wolves in it. Um, the Wolves actually tied the game um, about three minutes into the second quarter. The Lakers called a timeout, got a call to play for Derek Fisher just to hit a three-pointer and give them the lead back. The Wolves got back in front 29-28, which is so crazy that the score was that low this at this point in the game. After Wolves-Yerbeck's steal, Fred Hoiberg layup, crowd got into it. Um, and then uh, Derek Fisher all of a sudden got hot off the bench, put the Lakers up by seven um, with three and a half minutes left. Believe it or not, the uh, the for some reason the the part of the game that NBA TV chose to shorten when I whenever they uh, packaged this together was the end of the second quarter with the Wolves down by seven, and then suddenly after halftime they're up by six. So I don't really I didn't get to watch the last few minutes of the second quarter, which really looks like it was the best run for the Wolves throughout the game. Um, I can give you a little bit of the play-by-play from uh, from basketball reference. I guess, long story short is, um, Zerbeck and Garnett and Sprewell each had a couple baskets. Hoiberg made a three-pointer, and uh, Sprewell's shot with 22 seconds left put the Wolves up by six. Kobe missed a three-pointer um, on the next possession down, and the uh, the Wolves took a 46-40 to lead into halftime. Overall, in the first half, um, for the Timberwolves, Garnett was a huge piece, of course, of what Minnesota did. Um, he had 13 and 12 at halftime. Latrell Sprewell had 15 points, four assists. It did take him 13 shots to get his points. He missed both of his three-point attempts. Mark Madsen had six points off the bench. Hoiberg had five. Nobody else on the Wolves had more, more than three points. The Lakers had 14, five rebounds from Kobe. Just five points, four rebounds, three blocks from Shaq. Six field goal attempts for Shaq and only two free throw attempts. So the Wolves really leaned into the hack of Shaq in the second half as they were trying to build their lead. Derek Fisher had nine off the bench, as I mentioned, all in that second quarter. And uh, that was it for the Lakers with the Wolves up by um, up by six going into the third quarter. All right, next up, we're going to talk second half and what happened, how the Wolves built their lead and ultimately held on. We'll talk through some of the key points from this game before we get into studs and duds. All right, the third quarter in this game um, featured the end of a gigantic run from the Timberwolves that started around that kind of three-minute mark of the of the uh, second quarter, three and a half minute mark. Remember, the Wolves were down forty to thirty-three. They had that that base. I guess it was a thirteen-zero run to end the second quarter to take that forty-six forty lead into halftime. That for some reason got cut out of the uh, the game feed that I was watching, and then the Wolves scored the first four points of the third quarter. Overall, it was a 17-0 run spanning the second quarter to the third quarter before the Lakers kind of stemmed the tide, got things back to a single-digit lead after the Wolves had uh, had pulled ahead by um, by 10. And then Sprewell and Hoiberg combined for a big run for the Timberwolves right around the midway point of the third quarter, put the Wolves back up by 9, 56-47. And then Minnesota continued to pull ahead by just a little bit and actually 
got that lead back to 10 points headed into the fourth quarter. Um, overall in the third, Carl Malone was the big scorer for the for the uh, Lakers, he had a couple of like almost kind of floater type jumpers and, and really kind of turned back the clock. The Timberwolves um, had 12 from Garnett in the third quarter. He was huge. 12 on four of six shooting, made four, all four of his free throws, three rebounds, two assists just in the third quarter. Hoiberg had six and was, we'll get to this, but was huge in the game. Nobody else in the starting lineup scored more than a basket in the uh, in the third quarter. It was all Kevin Garnett. Um, Derek Martin got pulled early in the quarter after missing a defensive coverage and then clanking a couple of shots. He didn't see the court again in the game. Um, so going to the fourth, the Wolves were up by 10 points. In the fourth quarter, um, the Lakers kind of, as expected, made a couple of runs um, and got actually to within six points with just under three minutes to play. Um, there were a couple of big shots made by the Lakers and just as it looked like they were going to, um, that they were going to really get, get right back into it by a possession or two. Fred Hoiberg made a huge and one where he double clutched on a deep two from the left wing, got Kobe Bryant to, to commit a foul. And then Hoiberg kind of, kind of hung in the air as much as Fred Hoiberg can and drained the shot and uh, was fouled on the play by Kobe. And that was almost a dagger for the Timberwolves. They did have to hold on a little bit down the stretches. The Lakers had a couple of three-point plays and and actually a three-point heave at the buzzer that made it a two-point game. It realistically was not that close. Um, it was more of a it was if it was more of a seven or eight point game until those last couple of um, kind of heaves and, and three point plays that didn't matter went in for the Lakers. Um, notably, Kevin Garnett scored twenty five points over the first three quor- three quarters. Didn't score at all in the fourth quarter until he he made a pair of free throws with two oh four remaining in the game, and uh, ultimately he he had three more free throw makes in the fourth. Scored five points and four rebounds in the fourth quarter, but was 0-3 from the field. As the Lakers were making their push, Latrell Sprewell was the guy who who took care of things for the Wolves. After he was pretty inefficient over the first, you know, three quarters or so, he scored 11 points on three of six shooting, made a three pointer, made all four of his three or free throws, I should say, in the fourth quarter. And Sprewell was the Wolves' leading scorer there. Um, 11 in the fourth. Garnett had fives. Wally Zerbeck had four off the bench, and Hoiberg had that three point play that was massive. Hoiberg played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, and again, Derek Martin didn't see the court again. So Hoiberg. And Garnett essentially split point guard duties, although Latrell Sprewell handled a fair amount as well. Um, I mentioned this off the top as we kind of transition into some overall observations. I should say the final score is 98-96 Wolves. Again, the Lakers hit a meaningless three at the buzzer. So really, it was a it was a five-point margin. And even before that, there were a couple of cheap baskets that LA got at the end. Um, but Minnesota won by two um, and pushed this to a game seven in LA. Um, overall observations the Wolves did really use Garnett to run a lot of their offense and that kind of affected his overall performance. You still look at his final line, 30 points, 19 rebounds, four assists, zero turnovers, a steal and a block in just under 46 minutes. So he effectively, he played the whole game other than a rest in the second quarter, which is, and I think maybe like the first 30 seconds or something of the fourth quarter for as well. Um, as the Wolves got him literally like every, every block of 20 to 30 seconds rest they could, they got, they gave to Garnett. Um, and uh, he he played 45 and a half minutes, 30 points, 19 rebounds, four assists to zero turnovers. He did shoot just 10 to 23 from the floor. Clearly, the responsibility of running point guard, um, guarding Carl Malone in a lot of cases, even at that stage in his career, he still had a good game. Um, and then also rebounding, you know, leading the leading the game with 19 rebounds. Shaq's the only other, only other guy that managed double figures. He had 13 rebounds. Um, that took a toll on Garnett's legs. The shooting wasn't there. He was 10 of 11 from the free throw line, which is huge for a guy who's, a, you know, typically a shade under 80% shooting free throws. Um, 
but he was awesome in this game, um, and, and that was really important. But the him running point definitely contributed to the fatigue. Overall, fatigue was obvious for both these teams in a game six um, in, in an era where uh, these guys typically played this many minutes. Um, it wasn't unusual for these guys to be averaging in the high 30s minutes. And at this point in the season with these stars, especially, it's really going to going to start to affect your legs and, and your your really everything you do on the court. The Wolves clearly had no faith in Derek Martin, um, and uh, and that was part of this too, that the Wolves didn't adequately shore up their backup point guard spot with a guy like Sam Cassell, who is the way he played and also at this stage in his career, the Wolves should have done a better job. We talked about this actually in our in our Wolves-Lakers overarching uh, series podcast on Monday of this week, that the Wolves should have identified this and, and done a better job shoring up back guard, backup point guard, but at the end of the day, it just meant that Fred Hoiberg and Kevin Garnett were your backup points in the Western Conference Finals, not necessarily what you want. Um, the Lakers didn't go to Shaq nearly enough. I mentioned that off the top. Um, L.A. stayed in this game by making a bunch of jumpers, um, and some were three-pointers, some were long twos, but this is a team that had just a couple. You know, Kobe was a good shooter. He wasn't quite as good of a shooter as he as he uh, was at other stretches in his career. Derek Fisher had struggled all season, um, but generally was a good three-point shooter. They combined to go 5 of 12 from beyond the arc, so, you know, shot well together, but also did some damage from from uh, deep twos as well. Uh, Gary Payton and De- uh, Devin George were 0 of 3 and 0 of 4, respectively, on three-point attempts, and uh, um, that was basically it in terms of Lakers who attempted threes. Luke Walton hit that heave at the end of the game, and Kareem Rush was 1 of 2. But L.A. shot 22 threes. The Wolves only shot 12, which was actually kind of a lot for for the Wolves to shoot in a game. And uh, the Lakers, part of the reason they lost in the finals ultimately to the Pistons was because they did, couldn't get enough offense going. Shaq wasn't as involved as he really should have been. And and looking back on this now, I understand why he got upset and why he was ready to, to leave town after this. Um, you've got the most dominant big man of, of basically like an eight year stretch in the league or whatever it was um, where he was easily the most dominant big man. And he's attempting 11 shots in a game six, you know, uh, a game you could clinch and move on in advance only has 17 and 13 in this game has four blocks, you know, plays, plays a great game, but not involved enough. Kobe launches 19 shots. She's 40%, you know, scores 23 points, but has four turnovers. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately the Lakers, their offensive attack was skewed a little bit too much to the perimeter in this game. Credit the Timberwolves defense into forcing them into some tough shots, but the Lakers still made enough to stay in the game. They shot 50% from the field because Derek Fisher got so hot because Kobe was good down the stretch and Carl and Malone is really good from that kind of mid-range, mid-post area. Um, but the attack for the Lakers was not the most uh, the most efficient attack, I guess. Um, and, and really it was a mediocre jump shooting team relying a lot on jumpers. Hoiberg was huge, as I mentioned. Um, Sprewell was big in the fourth after Garnett really carried this team through the first three quarters. So um, at the end of the day, you know, the Wolves got those goes those uh, those performances from the ancillary players that they didn't always get, um, which was kind of the theme of that game seven game against the Kings, too. And this at least pushed the Wolves to a game six where they had the opportunity to advance to the finals. Obviously, that didn't quite go as planned um, with the uh, with the ultimate loss in L.A. by six points in game seven. All right, uh, we're going to. Come right back. We're going to talk studs and duds in this game. Who are the best players for the Timberwolves on the court? Who is the worst player on the court for the Wolves in this game? Dive a little bit more into those individual performances here in just a moment. All right, as we always do, want to look at studs and duds from this Timberwolves game. We talked a lot about Kevin Garnett's performance already, but I really want to 
kind of dig in and talk again about his line and what he did. In almost 46 minutes in this game, he had 30 points, 19 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal and a block, and uh, 10 of 23 shooting. Didn't attempt a 3-pointer, 10 of 11 from the free-throw line. Ran the point in a lot of cases. Also scored a lot in isolation in this game um, and, uh, and really got to the rim a fair amount, got into the paint at least, um, and didn't rely quite as much on the deep twos in this particular game. Was really active in the paint. Um, this matchup was very different. You know, an aging Chris Weber and Vladi Divac is different than Shaq and even an aging Carl Malone. Uh, there's just a little bit more... Uh, uh, Believe it or not, Malone actually seemed a little more dynamic offensively than, than Chris Webber did, whatever he was, 38-year-old Malone or whatever, versus a 30-year-old Chris Webber. But um, it was a little bit more of a challenge for Garnett. He rose to the challenge. Despite that kind of rough um, fourth quarter from a from an offensive perspective, um, Garnett came up big, making five or six free throws down the stretch. And you know that quick rest that Flip Saunders got him early in the fourth quarter really ended up helping. Um, and he was, again, the best player on the court for the Timberwolves and carried them through the first three quarters. Our second stud for this game, obviously, is Latrell Sprewell. If you remember him as one of the best wing players the Wolves have had in their history, you wouldn't necessarily be wrong, and we haven't really dove into that much. Um, he did not make our, our list of the top 20 Wolves players in, in franchise history, but you go back and look at his season in 2003-2004, he only shot 41% from the field, actually a hair under 41%. For his career, he was only a 42.5% shooter, so he was a little bit more of that high-volume scorer. He was a 33% shooter from three, both that season and basically for his career. He did average 16.8 points per game, but he was never a, a very efficient shooter, um, and, and that was on, on display early in the game. Spirola was primarily attempting long mid-range jumpers and, you know, just generally inefficient shots. Later in the game, he was scoring more in transition. He was getting to the rim. He was um, just generally being more active. Um, and that's what he did in the fourth quarter. And it was huge. His, uh, his line overall for this game, 28 points, five assists, four rebounds, two steals. He shot 11 of 21 from the field. So, you know, above 50%, but barely one of four from beyond the arc, five of six at the free throw line. He really provided in this game exactly what the Timberwolves needed, especially with Sam Cassell out, and that was relatively efficient, high-volume scoring, a little bit of, of distribution. I mean, he actually led the Wolves in assists with five um, and had only the one turnover and uh, finished this game a plus three in, in nearly 44 minutes. So he was massive for the Timberwolves, and the fourth-quarter performance, again, is was the key for him. Um, again, just quickly, what he did in the fourth quarter, 11 points, two rebounds, shot three of six, made his three-pointer in that quarter, made all four of his free throws down the stretch. So Spreewell was massive in this game and was absolutely the second stud on our list. Um, the third one is Fred Hoiberg. Uh, we talked about this a little bit already during the game recap, but he was pressed into duty, played almost 38 minutes, scored 14 points, three rebounds, two steals and an assist, one turnover, five of 10 shooting, made one of three three-pointers, three of three um, on free throw attempts. And it's crazy. I mean, obviously this Timberwolves team didn't shoot a ton of threes, but I always thought of, you know, Fred, Fred Hoiberg was known for being this uh, this dead-eye shooter. Um, you know, the old Tom Hanneman, dead-eye Fred hit the nail on the head um, whole thing. And, and it's true. I mean, he was a great three-point shooter. He shot that season. He was 44% from beyond the arc. For his career, he was a hair under 40%. But why is a guy who's shooting 44% from beyond the arc only shooting two threes a game? And in game six of of the uh, of the conference finals, I just keep seeing him shoot these mid range shots and these these uh, shots from inside the arc on the wing, and I'm thinking 
he's a 44% three-point shooter. Why doesn't he take a couple steps back? He ultimately was one of three beyond the arc in this game. And, um, you know, it was still a really good performance, but it's just kind of crazy to, to take a step back and look at that, that in 23 minutes a game, he was only attempting a hair over two a game, uh, despite being just a really good three-point shooter. Um, but at any rate, he was the third star in this game for the Timberwolves. The duds, um, so I typically try and find two. I really could only confidently name one from this game, and that was Derek Martin, who we've already talked about, um, the uh, the former CBA point guard who was was in the starting lineup in this game. It's not really his fault that he was pressed into duty here, and and I, I don't want to keep ragging on the guy. He would have been a fine you know, third point guard had the Wolves had a legit second point guard um, or even a backup at you know five to ten minutes a game when needed, which is what he did early in the playoffs. But with Sam Cassell out, Martin started, played 12 minutes, basically six minutes in the first quarter, six in the third, shot one of six from the field, had one assist, no turnovers, did commit one foul, so he just had the two points in 12 minutes. Um, and missed a couple defensive coverages. Um, I mean, he was not put in a good spot to succeed in this game, um, and he was the worst player on the floor for the Wolves. Irvin Johnson didn't do anything in five minutes, but he basically was just asked to guard Shaq and commit some fouls. Uh, Mark Madsen was pretty good off the bench, which is he was one of the duds in, in Wolves-Kings. It was not the case in that game. He did, did not play well. Um, Ola Candy only had the 5.7 rebounds, 0 of 3 shooting, um, but excuse me, not five points, one point, seven rebounds, 0 of three shooting from the field, committed five fouls in 18 minutes. But he was a plus five in his 18 minutes and was on the court when the Wolves uh, made some strong runs in the uh, in the first half and then early in the third quarter. Wasn't really on the court down the stretch as the Wolves went smaller, um, but he was fine. Trent Hassel was okay in this game. He struggled defensively against uh, Kobe early on and then a little bit against Gary Payton when he got switched onto him. Um, so really, it's hard. If I was going to name another one, I'd probably go with Trent Hassel just because he's on the court for defense, and, and that was the, the part that he actually kind of struggled with in this game a little bit. Um, he did have six points on four shots, and that's basically what what he did for her for his Wolves career on, you know, offensively. Um, but Derek Martin's the only kind of shoe in, in the duds category for the Timberwolves. They played, you know, nine guys. And for the most part, they played well. Um, and, and this was, that's why the Wolves got to a game seven. All right. Just to kind of put a bow in the series. I know we talked about this the other day, but just quickly, the Wolves lost by six in LA in game seven. Um, Shaq was more involved. He had 25 points, 11 rebounds. He attempted 20 free throws, made only seven as the Wolves went all in on Hackashack to try and desperately save their season. The surprise, Kobe had 20 on 17 shots. The surprise in this one was, um, you know, the last game, Derek Fisher kind of went off, kept the Lakers in the game against the Wolves. Fisher was one of seven shooting in this game. Kareem Rush, after playing 10 minutes and making one shot against the Wolves, played 24 minutes, scored 18.6 of seven shooting on threes, kind of came out of nowhere to bury the Timberwolves in this game. Um, Garnett had 22 and 17 was relatively efficient, shot 45% from the field. Latrell Sprewell had 27, made 11 free throws, all 11 of his attempts in this game. Derek Barton played a lot better. Um, the Wolves still started Michael Wakandi. He was not as good in this game. Wally Zerbiak uh, was just okay off the bench. Fred Hoiberg was very quiet, four points, seven rebounds, no three-point attempts in 26 minutes off the bench for the team's 44% three-point shooter. The Wolves, of course, were only two of nine overall from beyond the arc. Um, no Sam Cassell again, obviously. So unfortunately, the season ended with a little bit of a whimper. This game, the Wolves were actually up by one headed to the fourth quarter. And then the Lakers kind of um, put their foot on the Wolves neck and, and got up by two possessions late and uh, held on to win 96 to 90. That was the last time that the Minnesota Timberwolves appeared in a playoff game until 2018, which if you're listening to this, I'm sure you know that. 
Um, that was basically from like my, I don't know, sophomore year in high school all the way until I was like 30 um, or something like that. So, I mean, it was uh, the entirety of my 20s, I guess, is one way to look at it uh, without the Wolves playing in a playoff game. And I watched probably, I don't know, 90% of those regular season games too, unfortunately. But um, at any rate, best season in Wolves history. We'll end on the positive note of the uh, 98 to 96 home win in game five of Wolves Lakers at the Western Conference semifinals. Um, the the Timberwolves, of course, made the playoffs in 2018, lost in four games, or actually lost in five games to the Houston Rockets. That was the Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns team. Um, not as fond memories of of that particular season because of the uh, the way that things ended with Jimmy Butler, but the 0304 season was clearly the best in Timberwolves history. Garnett's MVP year, a fun playoff series against the Nuggets, uh, an exhausting playoff series against the Kings with a fun Game Seven win, um, and then you know five competitive, six competitive games against the Lakers, an 18 point home win against the Lakers in game two. Overall, this was an awesome year for the Timberwolves um, and kudos to Kevin McHale for making the necessary moves before that season to put the Wolves in, in position to contend. The Wolves were probably one Sam Cassell injury from at least uh, pushing this to the brink um, and going to the finals and, and likely going to the finals and giving the Detroit Pistons who ultimately beat the Lakers four games to one a run for their money. Instead, the Pistons won the championship and Flip Saunders would be the Pistons coach in just a couple of short years. Garnett would spend three more years in Minnesota, not make the playoffs. Cassell and Sprewell each had one more year in Minnesota, but the Wolves did not make the playoffs the next year. Saunders was fired, and uh, the rest is uh, some unfortunate history in, uh, in Timberwolves lore. All right, that's all we have for you today. We will start a new series next week, so stay tuned to find out what that will be. Um, thanks once again for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Wolves. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.